Chapters thirteen and fourteen of the Turnpike House by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirteen. Job the Soprengo. In another week, Ruth took leave of the delights of Brighton, much to the regret of Mrs. Presser. A letter from Hollyoaks had advised her that Mrs. Chisel and her three children were down on a visit, and that Jenny Braun, in the capacity of governess, was with them mr cass it appeared had gone to bordeaux on business so ruth was wanted to represent him at the paternal mansion and anxious to start hunting for evidence likely to reveal the truth about the jenner case she willingly returned mrs chisel was a tall and somewhat stout woman of the junoesque type with a high opinion of herself her children her position her money and indeed of everything which belonged to her with the one exception of her husband when mrs marshall heard that amy chisel was at hollyoaks she sent word that she would not enter her brother's house until it was purged of the presence of his eldest daughter in reply to this amiable message mrs chisel hoped her aunt inez would not spoil her visit by coming over upon which mrs marshall made a point of calling every other day and remarking openly and unfavourably upon her niece's management of her children these comments were really quite undeserved for the three children whom mrs chisel on sufficiently obvious authority called her jewels were nice little people pretty and well behaved the two girls aged respectively seven and ten were demure and even a trifle prim they were always smartly dressed and never made a mess of their clothes and moreover they stood in great awe of their mother who as she frequently told them was a woman in a thousand it was as well perhaps for the peace of the world that such was the case needless to say ruth did not present neil's gift to her little nephew mrs garvey must see it and meanwhile she kept it stowed away for had her sister known that it was intended for george she would have had it out of her at all costs it was on the morning after her arrival that ruth and amy had their first little encounter the subject of it being mr geoffrey heron what a fool you have made of yourself falling in love with that violin creature cried mrs chisel in her high rasping voice he is no fit husband for you he would after all make a more sensible husband than julian retorted ruth who shared her sister's opinion of the unhappy chisel and thank you amy i have a right to choose a husband for myself you are not fit to do so remarked mrs chisel with her customary tact if you were a sensible girl you would marry geoffrey heron and take a good position in the county i would not marry mr heron if there were not another man in the world cried the girl mendaciously why are you so disagreeable amy disagreeable echoed the matron i am the most agreeable woman in existence when i am properly treated no one but my own family thinks me disagreeable ah they know you so well said ruth that's just it you none of you know me if i were like aunt inez now you might talk she is disagreeable if you like well amy said ruth who had more important things to discuss do not let us quarrel do i ever quarrel i ask you that no you never do replied the girl knowing well what answer was expected but do leave my marriage prospects alone my dear i am the last person in the world to interfere cried mrs chisel i think a girl should settle those things for herself but i must say i should be happy if i saw you married to geoffrey heron in that case you'll live for many a long day yet and ruth made a hurried exit 
this was one of many tiffs they had in spite of ruth's diplomacy amy would make trouble so in despair miss cass asked aunt inez to come as often as possible and the amiable lady knowing amy did not want her took good care to come so ruth was left in peace for when the battles were raging she generally took refuge with jenny one of the first things she did on meeting miss brawn was to tell her all about neil's troubles that she had promised geoffrey to say nothing about them did not matter to her for she was a woman and found it difficult enough to keep a secret besides which she knew that jenny could be trusted being a girl who could hold her tongue when necessary and ruth wanted someone with whom she could discuss the case and any new facts which came to light so there and then she told jenny everything isn't it terrible dear she said when miss brawn was in possession of the whole sad story what do you think of it i think mrs jenner would be the last person in the world to kill her husband from what you say of her but oh the poor master how he must suffer ruth was it because of this you gave him up and she looked volumes of reproach no my dear it was not if i had really loved him this would only have made me cling closer but i merely admired him as you said and i find that i like geoffrey heron better but you told your sister i know what i told her snapped ruth i am not going to give her the satisfaction of thinking she has biased my judgment in any way you must keep my secret jenny until i have told my father when he has consented which i know he will do very willingly geoffrey and i can arrange our future but i do not want our engagement to be known until this mystery has been cleared up it may never be cleared up oh yes it will i have taken the matter in hand said the girl grandly if the truth is to be found out i shall be the one to find it and i am going to the turnpike house to make a search what do you expect to find i don't know she said vaguely i may discover something i don't exactly know what but at all events she broke off it will do no harm to make a search on the very scene of the tragedy as to neil now that he won't marry me you can make love to him jenny dear miss brawn coloured i shall do nothing of the sort she declared i love him it is true but i am not going to hunt after him or after any man for that matter my dear ruth said and there was a world of pity in her voice you can't live with amy all your life she will wear you out jenny laughed in her quiet way i am not so easily worn out she said and indeed i am very comfortable with mrs chisel she is most kind i dare say some people would think her trying but after all her heart is in the right place ah that is always said about people who have nothing else to recommend them ruth said with a grimace well i am going out now to make my grand discovery at the turnpike house and you jenny oh i have my teaching mildred and ethel must have their lessons it is not as nice as writing poetry no of course not but we can't have all we want in this world you shall have neil if i can get him for you don't don't i should die of shame if you said a word to him now promise me ruth that you will not interfere not without telling you oh you stupid dear there are ways of managing a man without speaking but have no fear she added neil is far enough away just now and won't be well poor fellow for many a long day you are safe from my matchmaking for a time jenny i'm glad of that you are so impetuous you know 
miss cass laughed and with a nod took her departure mrs chisel saw her from the drawing-room window and frowned there she goes all alone to walk by herself she said tautologically it is positively indecent to see a young girl without a chaperon but then ruth is so headstrong and mrs chisel sighed to think how foolish the girl was not to take her for a model but ruth's beauty was well protected by ruth's temper and she would have travelled through tibet as fearlessly as she now walked through the lonely country towards the old turnpike house with her usual perversity miss cass did not keep to the high road as an ordinary young lady should and would have done she made a bee-line for her destination right across country she passed through fields and clambered over hedges she slipped along by paths until in a remarkably short space of time she saw the dilapidated house nested in its green jungle it looked haggard and evil even in the cheerful light of the morning sun well here i am she said tempting fate with her usual bold speech what is going to happen next as if in answer to her call a face suddenly appeared at the window the very window as she believed through which the assassin had struck at his unhappy victim it was a swarthy cunning face with coal-black eyes having over them the kind of film which veils the eyes of birds the tangled black hair crowned a sallow lean oriental countenance and the un-english look of the man for it was a man was accentuated by a red scarf twisted round a sinewy throat it was not his foreign appearance that startled ruth but the look of death on the face he was far gone in consumption seeing a pretty girl he leered and cast a sly glance of admiration at her duval my beauty he croaked hoarsely what's to do here nothing that can possibly matter to you retorted miss cass who was not to be daunted by a gypsy are you living here i live here at times said the man evidently surprised at the boldness of her address but mostly i'm on the road in the tent of the romany i'm no gorgio to care for a roof-tree but it's cruel work in this england i see the climate is killing you replied ruth for she was sorry to see so fine a man suffering from an incurable disease you should get a doctor to see you oh my gorgeous angel what things you say whined the man where am i to get the tizzy to pay give me a shilling miss the girl took a half-crown from her pocket and gave it to him he disappeared from the window and came outside man and girl surveyed each other in silence what is your name ruth asked coolly job he said i belong to the lovells i do and i'm a sapengro i am what's that job slipped his hand into his breast and brought out a small viper with gleaming eyes and a yellow body which glittered like gold this is a sap he said and held the reptile towards ruth oh i see you are the master of the snake duvel the gypsy stared at her in astonishment and the film seemed to peel off his eyes do you know the black language i know that engro means a master the girl said carelessly and you tell me that sap is snake so i put the two together master of the snake job lovell that's what you are hang me if i ever heard a gentile lady so bold cried the man with another stare slipping the hissing viper back into his breast but i say lady have you more coin a mere sovereign now 
i have not and if i had you would not get it but if i were to make you job took a step forward i would run this through you and the gypsy found a shining steel weapon at his breast he started back with an oath ruth laughed and there was a merciless ring in her mirth which did more to terrify the man than the sight of the weapon itself you are a brave sapengro brother to try and terrify a woman she said in the romany tongue do well cried job again and his expression changed to one of friendliness and admiration why didn't you say you were a romany because i am a gentile brother ruth said still in the calo jib i took a fancy to learn your tongue and i learnt it from a gypsy i knew lurian duckerippon hackerippon and all the rest well can i put up my dagger you are a sacred sister to me said job with deep respect and she saw from his manner that she had nothing further to fear indeed he offered her the half a crown which she had already given him take it sister he said you are a true gypsy to me and i take nothing from you she laughed and slipped her dagger into its sheath keep it job she said reverting to the english tongue i see you are poor and ill i am dying replied the man in a sombre tone still looking at her ah soon i shall be in the earth with my sap my only friend you had better go to holly oaks and get some food holly oaks he repeated fixing his shining eyes on this to him very extraordinary gentile lady do you live there is your name cass yes i am the daughter of mr cass of holly oaks do well and you come here he said under his breath and casting a glance at the cottage behind him why shouldn't i come here she asked sharply she fancied she saw an uneasy look on his face oh nothing my sister nothing you have an aunt she is not romany mrs marshall no she knows nothing of the calo jib why do you ask job burst out laughing and nodded i go to her house for food sometimes she won't see me die for want of a crust but you are her niece there was a puzzled look in his eyes can i help you no i only came to look at the place there was a murder committed here yes but that was before i came into this part of the country well sister what of that nothing you can go i want to look round here for a time i go sister he said significantly he held out the viper will you take sap my gorgeous gentile lady ugh no she recoiled with a shriek from the wriggling reptile take the nasty thing away he stared and thrust it again into his bosom ho oh, he said you are a queer gentile you like a man for boldness yet you fear a sap oh rare and he slapped his knee with a chuckle go away repeated ruth go to holly oaks and get some food duvel he cried quickly i am for the road my hunger is great farewell sister i shall see you again and he swung off with a hacking cough tearing him and smiling his careless smile his tall form passed into the sunlight and vanished round a curve of the road ruth watched him till he was out of sight then took her cane and began poking about the rubbish under the window where as geoffrey surmised the murderer had stood watching his intended victim 
on bending down to examine the ground more carefully she saw something glittering dimly almost without thinking she picked it up and found to her surprise and joy that it was an oval piece of gold with a champagne bottle enamelled thereon with exquisite art on the other side was a catch which proved that the oval had formed part of a cufflink holding it in her small pink palm ruth looked now on this treasure with the greatest delight this was dropped by the murderer she said to herself it was torn from his shirt-cuff as he struck the blow or there might have been a quick struggle fancy my finding it after all these years the rain from the eaves has laid it bare ah then the assassin was a gentleman well i ought to be satisfied with my day's work but i shall come again what good fortune to have found this the very first time she was so excited that she almost danced along the road as she took her way home but after a while she sobered down somewhat and glanced suspiciously around for there had come upon her an undefinable feeling of being watched chapter fourteen the clairvoyant if ruth had but gone carefully through the deserted hovel she would have made yet another discovery her instinct had not played her false when she had felt that unfriendly eyes were upon her for she had been watched and the watcher now emerged from the house to see her disappear down the road much later on she came to know of the spy at all events she had found the link the pale gold oval with the champagne bottle enamelled upon it it was a strange device she thought for a sleeve link certainly it was the first of the kind she had seen and she fancied that the other portions of the links would bear the same design but in this she was wrong what she had found proved to her that the assassin had been a gentleman for no poor creature could have afforded to wear such jewellery but how to make use of the discovery how was she to find out to whom the link had belonged especially now that so many years had passed the owner might be dead he might be out of england there remained the one expedient of asking mrs jenner if she could remember any one who had worn such links so this ruth made up her mind to do as soon as she could see geoffrey he might question the unfortunate woman and through a series of leading questions the truth might be revealed meanwhile feeling that nothing else was to be done for the moment she went to see mrs garvey with her powers she might reveal strange things about the owner of that piece of gold the girl had intended to take the brown horse with her but on going to the drawer in which she had put it she found it empty then she remembered that her little nieces had received permission to turn over her silks and laces so she questioned them about the missing toy and ethel the eldest frankly confessed that they had taken it for their brother george i hope you do not mind aunt ruth the child said pleadingly you said we could take what we liked that wet day so as long as we put the things tidy we thought george might like the horse so we gave it to him strange thought ruth that the toy should have passed into the very hands for which it was intended but she shuddered at the thought of the lad playing with a thing of such ghastly associations it was her own fault she had forgotten that it was in that drawer when she had told the children that they might play with her chiffons but i told you ethel to put them back she said why did you not replace the toy ethel drew a piteous lip and tears came into her eyes oh don't be cross aunt ruth and don't tell mother you know how angry she will be we put everything back but the horse and george would not give it up to us why could you not take it from him 
her aunt asked impatiently because he has hidden it away sobbed the little girl he won't say where it is so after pacifying the child ruth went off in search of george she came upon that young gentleman on the terrace playing with a cart naturally she looked for the horse which could have been drawing the vehicle but no horse was to be seen where is your Gigi? coaxed aunt ruth gone to grass lisped george who was precocious beyond telling you bring him back from grass georgie and give him to aunt ruth but this he positively refused to do the animal was hidden away and all she could say or do failed to compel its production dobbin is ill he is in the paddock was all he would say and from this position she failed to move him ultimately she had to go without it she made george promise to bring it from the paddock next day and relying on this slender chance of recovering a toy which should never have fallen into his hands ruth went on her way hoping to learn something from mrs garvey about the broken link mrs garvey was a thin pale woman who practised the calling of a clairvoyant in opposition to her husband's wishes my dear cried the lady receiving ruth with great effusion i am glad to see you but this is not unexpected for it was borne in upon me by some telepathic communication that you were in trouble and would come to me for assistance well i am quite ready to give it to you do you know ruth began somewhat puzzled by this exordium i know nothing nor do i wish to know the spiritual insight i possess will reveal to me what is for your good come into my temple and i will see what is to be done the room which was dignified by the name of temple was a small bare apartment thickly carpeted the windows being darkened by green blinds for quite three minutes there was a dead silence then mrs garvey spoke murder she said in a low emotional voice this piece of gold has to do with a crime i see a bare room a child with a knife in his hand a dead man at the child's feet there is hate in my heart not of the child but of the dead i am in the darkness in mist in rain the dead man is my enemy he will trouble me no more but who are you cried ruth her blood running cold at hearing the circumstances of the crime so minutely described the woman gave a low cry i will not tell i will not tell she said in a fierce voice quite at variance with that in which she usually spoke i am safe after all these years i am you will never her voice died away in a drawl and she became silent tell me more more cried ruth springing towards her but mrs garvey made no reply the influence of the spirit of the piece of gold or whatever else it was that moved her had passed and she was in what appeared to be a heavy sleep seeing that nothing further was to be got out of her for the moment ruth obeyed the instructions which she had received beforehand and drawing up the green blind opened the window the light and the keen air pouring into the room seemed to dispel mrs garvey's drowsiness she stirred moved her arms and woke with a yawn to find miss cass bending over her of all that had passed she was evidently quite oblivious she even seemed surprised at the sight of her visitor's scared face my dear she said at last 
i hope i have not been telling you anything very terrible don't you know what you have said no something speaks through me i am only the vehicle i remember nothing when i come out of my trances do you know anything about the turnpike house murder mrs garvey started ah it was about that crime you have been asking me the jenner tragedy i know the man was murdered by his wife and what has this piece of gold got to do with it it belonged to the murderer ruth said with a shudder it seemed to me that you spoke in the person of the murderer you described the room its appearance at the time of the crime the dead body and a child holding a knife and looking on then you said you were in darkness that you would never be found out and oh you said a lot of strange things that the child had a knife in his hand and that he was standing over the body faltered ruth thinking she was about to hear that neil had killed his father mrs garvey shook her head it was not the child she said decidedly he would not have had those links about him the man who killed his father wore them else i could not have told you what i did where did you find this piece of gold under the window of the room in which the crime was committed what you say fits in with my own belief that the blow was struck through the window you can't remember who you were in the trance i mean no said the woman gently i remember nothing find the man to whom the link belongs i can give no further or better advice than that that is easier said than done protested the girl how am i to find the man mrs garvey shook her head she could give no more information and she said so moreover she was exhausted after the effort she had made seeing which ruth took her broken link and returned home more perplexed than ever that being the usual frame of mind of those who dabble in the supernatural yet she fully believed what the clairvoyant had told her mrs garvey could not possibly have known of the scene in that bare room immediately after the crime had been committed mrs jenner alone could have described it and she had told it only to geoffrey heron although miss cass's thoughts were much taken up with the case she saw no way of prosecuting further inquiries the toy horse in the hands of the clairvoyant might perhaps have helped her but truth to tell she had forgotten all about it meanwhile she wrote to geoffrey and related what had happened with regard to the clairvoyant she quite expected that the hard-headed young man would scoff at her but much to her surprise he did not in place of a letter the young squire himself appeared with full permission from neil to tell ruth the reason why his mother had held her peace he did not stay at hollyoaks but drove over from his own place mrs chisel received him with effusion and worried him with questions about himself and all the time for reasons of his own connected with love and business he was dying to be alone with miss cass at length however mrs chisel putting it in her own graceful way thought it would only be fair to give poor ruth her chance of pushing her conquest so she left the winter garden on the plea that her dear children required their mother's eye and geoffrey heron proceeded at once to the business which had brought him i am beginning to think something of your clairvoyant after all he said what you wrote to me about mrs garvey's description of the scene must be wonderfully accurate yes even to the child with the knife in his hand that child was neil and it was because his mother found him standing thus that she has undergone all this punishment without speaking a word in her own defence gracious was ruth's not very original exclamation did she believe that he had killed his father 
how terrible very terrible said heron gravely now you can understand how it was that webster was taken ill for his mother had told him that she believed him to have killed his father then she forbade him to reopen the case she was perfectly willing to remain where she was so long as he was safe and free oh she is a noble woman cried ruth but it was not neil who either consciously or unconsciously committed the crime mrs garvey says he did not but who it was she cannot tell one moment geoffrey and i will tell you all more explicitly than i could do by letter and she proceeded to relate the whole story from beginning to end well we are as far from the truth as ever geoffrey said when she had finished i think the next step is to show that broken link to mrs jenner she may be able to remember someone who used to wear such an ornament ruth took the link out of her purse and gave it to him but you will send it back again when you have done with it she said i want to keep it as a memento of this horrible affair he asked with a smile you are like the man who had a book bound in human skin i do not care for such things myself but you shall have it back with a full report of what mrs jenner says and now dear i think we may talk a little about ourselves after all this case is not the whole of life to us and they did talk about themselves among other things she told him of her encounter with job the sapengro and his astonishment when she had spoken to him in the romany tongue how on earth did you learn it he asked amazed oh when i was at school and after i left too i was fond of reading lavengro then they dropped the subject and were busy talking of themselves and their prospects when mrs chisel glided into the room and geoffrey found that he had an important engagement at the nearest town and took his leave for the society of the elder sister was more than he could endure they both went to see him off and at the door a few whispered words passed between him and ruth mrs chisel was immediately on the alert what did he say to you she asked as soon as he was out of earshot he made me an offer of marriage which of course i refused ruth said flippantly and then darted off to seek safety in her own room before the offended matron could empty upon her the vials of her wrath on her way up she was stopped by mildred chisel who held up a new doll for inspection i call her jane said the small child in a confidential whisper she is new but her clothes are old see aunt ruth she has all the dresses and brooches of old peggy ruth looked carelessly at the doll then her eyes were suddenly caught by an ornament which served in mildred's eyes for a brooch it was a gold oval enamelled with a horse and it was the double in all but the device of the link which she had found where did you get that she asked faintly oh grandpapa gave me that brooch replied the child End of chapters thirteen and fourteen